the city of New York are living catacombs, an endless maze of subterranean tunnels, unfit for anything human, unauthorized for anything experimental, and unlikely to bring anyone down there. So, they're coming up. Chud. Chud. Check your basement and your bathroom. Keep off the street and try to hide. But remember, the dark is their place. The night is their time. And tomorrow, the only things living in the city of New York will be Chud. Chud. Cannibalistic, humanoid, underground dwellers. Chud. They're not staying down there anymore. What's up, everyone? This is officially October, the month of October. Uh, and uh, we are here, Heart God Media Podcast, Mr. Uh, Lewis Smith from uh, uh, a million things. Uh, Nine Vote Short, Burger Creek Productions, Capital City Smiths, uh, a man of, uh, a, man of uh, a jack of uh, many trades, and... Uh, a master of a few, and one of them is uh, talking about amazing cinematic anomalies, uh, like our topic today, Chud. Lou, say hello. Hello, and as I said initially, thank you so much for including me in this. Very, very excited to be talking about this movie. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you and I were just speaking beforehand. It's uh, It's an odd film, and it's, it's odd in... I think positive ways. It's just I feel like it's I I would understand why people don't get it, and I I think it was billed I think it was billed oddly too because the beginning uh for the for the uh, intro bumper for the uh, this episode I played the trailer and even just listening to the trailer, it makes it sound like these things are fucking ripping like. Like ripping fucking New York City apart, like completely. They're fucking, which to a degree, they're they are murdering people, but you know they make it seem like these things are fucking like they're like the slime from Ghostbusters two coming up through drains. Like there's only like the one drain scene, but they're making it seem like it's a total overtaking, like a zombie apocalypse. Uh, but they also like I I feel like the marketing. Yeah, they just didn't know how to market this one. But we're getting uh we're we're already diving into the middle of it. But we'll we'll preface this by saying uh what a cast to to start off 1984's Chud. What a a fucking all-star cast. We got two Home Alone alumni in this pre-Home Alone. Do you think now when when the casting director for Home Alone was getting off the bat, do you think they had like Gone and saw Chud. One hundred percent, just saw Chud. <laughs> it's like, oh, who are we, who are we going to get to play the father McAllister and uh, and one of the the wet bandits? It's like, well, you know, I did just see this movie last week. Like, fucking fantastic casting. And uh, yeah, so this is nineteen eighty four. We get a young Daniel Stern playing AJ. We got uh, John Hurd. Uh, 
I mean, most famously known, obviously, is Mr. Mr. McAllister from uh, Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Uh, R.I.P. John Hurd passed away just a few years ago. Uh, and we got uh, uh, who the fuck else is in this movie? <laughs> there's, there's uh, Chris, Chris Curry, I think, is the place. Um, Captain Bosch. Yes. Yes. And uh, we got uh, Kim uh, Greased playing uh, playing what's her shit, Lauren. Um, and uh, she plays a model. John Hurd plays like a photographer. Uh, you know, AJ plays, you know, the, the, AJ, the reverend, and he's just like a, he's like a rescue mission worker, right? That's his, that's his gig, right? He's like the fucking, the master of the rescue mission. Dude, his soup kitchen slash church, it's like, it's a borderline, like, mental institution. Like, it's, (laughs) and everyone's filthy. That's the one thing that, that drives me insane about this movie. Everyone is sweating the whole movie. And everyone looks like they've been cleaning fucking chimneys. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> no, I, I, th- I thought that that was, uh, I mean, it's a great, I mean, hindsight now, it's a great depiction of what, like how dirty and disgusting uh, films at the time uh, made New York City look. So it definitely, it nails home the point of New York City b- being literally a fucking, a big, sweaty, rat-infested, pizza-smelling chimney of a fucking city. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I was trying to figure out, like, because obviously it is a soup kitchen in an old church, right? He operates out of the basement or, or something. Right, but, right. Um, but I love how during that scene where they're sitting down, like, um, AJ and Bosch, they're, they're sitting down with the, what is it, the commissioner for, like, the nuclear... Um, Oh, the the nuclear what is it it's the uh the nrc the new nu- the the nuclear i don't even know what the fuck something, something committee and anyway paul murray how, committee or, or commission or whatever i love when he's sitting down when they're all they're sitting down that first time and he goes yeah he came over to my soup kitchen and the guy's like soup kitchen like scoffing at him like dude you're doing this guy's doing a public service feeding the homeless this guy's <laughs> I hilarious. Again, I feel like that goes back to like one the East Coast, like especially like New York City attitude of like of like uh, just being assholes, but but also like oh you're you're providing a service to the less fortunate, you fucking scumbag. But also, I love I love, and this is the description. I read this hilarious description in IMDb. Uh, and it was just, it fucking killed me because they referred to him as a nutty bum. (laughs) (laughs) A nutty bum. Like, the guy is literally fucking feeding homeless people and trying to protect them. And he's putting up, he's putting up with these people that are so tightly wound. This is... How about about the first guy that pulls a knife on Bosch? Like, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's, he's the one who's, like, talking about, like, they had the ability to block out the sky or whatever. Like, right, the guy that's super like uh, he's he's seen some shit. He was in Nam, but they refer to him this this uh, this 
This description that someone wrote in IMDb for the plot, a rash of bizarre murders in New York City seems to point to a group of grotesquely deformed vagrants living in the sewers. A courageous policeman, a photojournalist, his girlfriend, and a nutty bum who seems to know a lot about the creatures band together to try to determine what <laughs> what the creatures are and how to stop them. <laughs> a nutty bum. Nutty bum. Oh, shit. You know, you could have picked any other any other word to to, to, to throw in there, but you put nutty and bum together, and I just think of pieces of shit with nuts in it or something like. Uh. But yeah, so we get like we get you know the soup kitchen. Uh, AJ the Reverend's running it. We we also get like a, a risque, you know. Uh, uh, John Hurd's character of George is like, you know, getting calls from his wh- whoever his fucking agent or whatever. His uh, his girlfriend, uh, Kim Grease character, is putting fucking uh, clear cell on her ass for a, a, an ass pimple. Uh, and uh, but uh, yeah, so the nutty bum known as Daniel Stern's character, AJ the Reverend, uh. So we got like it, this is such a, and I think I, I'm gonna dive right into it right now. I think this movie is so I because I I saw the movie years and years and years and years ago. I saw it when I was probably like pre high school, and I thought I just initially back then you're talking like early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. I just thought it was kind of boring, and I I just never revisited it until probably I saw it maybe like. 15 years ago, and I was like, eh, it's all right. Like, it's funny to see Daniel Stern, and of course, John Goodman at the end is the diner cop. Uh, could he have played up the whole, I'm from New York City? Uh, like, his accent when he sits down is so painfully like, yeah, I'll have a burger and a Coke or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's fucking wild. But yes, anyway, continue. I'm sorry. No, and, uh, and the, uh, I saw this. And this movie really resonated and hit home with me, and I appreciate it so much more now when I saw it on the big screen. I saw it at the Palace Theater as a double feature on Halloween about 10 years. It was just, it was October 2010, and it was a double feature with Day of the George Romero's Day of the Dead. Nice. And, awesome. dude, for some reason, seeing the 35-millimeter print of this and seeing it there and seeing it blown up, I don't know why, because... I mean, even initially watching it now, I'm just like, wow, this movie like translates so well to the bigger screen. It doesn't translate as well sitting at home, but I still love it. Uh, but for some reason, when I saw it in theater, a 35 millimeter print of it, for some reason, it captivated me. And I understand why this movie wouldn't necessarily captivate anyone else. I feel like it's it's like a a series of like half events that happen and then you kind of see you you don't really get the full-fledged uh chuds only but like towards the end um which i i like and i like what they were going for but for some reason this movie initially never captivated me but when i saw it in a dark theater on halloween i don't know why but it just kind of it stuck with me since then, and I've had such a deeper, a much deeper appreciation for this film. I mean, not not if not for anything else than just seeing a young Daniel Stern and a and a younger John Hurd in this film uh, is cool enough to see. But it was just a uh, at the time. I I think it just I don't know. It was just one of those things where you didn't get it when it came. I mean, I wasn't alive when it came out, but. 
you know, I, I didn't get it when I saw it young, when I was younger, but then, you know, when I was 22 in 2010, when I saw it, for, for some reason it took that long, but I got it then. And it was seeing it on that bigger screen and being able to see the, the set, I don't know, just the, the grittiness of it, it really gives you that gritty 80s New York infested streets of New York, dirty, filthy New York feel. And for some reason, the movie stuck with me from this point on, and I've appreciated it much more since then. You know, so my my kind of interesting, uh, quote-unquote, we'll call it interesting, because I think it's uh, moderately interesting. My backstory with this is, this is a, a film, I, I, I want to say I caught it, like, probably right around, like, my freshman year of college, like, maybe 2007, maybe the spring of 2008, um, it, it was around the time, like my family had gotten me, um, they got me Netflix, like where you'd mail in the movies. Right. Right. And, and I, I want to say it was either something that I had rented from Netflix, uh, and they would send the DVDs or it was something that like one of my friends like downloaded because we would go in these weird spurts where they would pirate films or whatever. So the one thing I remember that really, really stuck out to me and resonated with me at that age is. Yeah, I was also a little, I was a little bored with it, I think, the first time I saw it, but what stuck with me was the music, like the score itself. Yeah, great score. Wild. And I did some research into David Hughes, who did all the music, and he was, for 11 months, he was a an original percussionist, but then played keyboard for orchestral maneuvers in the dark. Now, he didn't last, he, he, he joined in January of 1980 and he left in he had a handful of, I think, recordings with them, like, um, and then I think he did write a song for them that was released later on. But um, that in this movie, and even the other night when I rewatched this with, with Hannah, when I was texting you, and she was not impressed with this movie, but um, th- I just like again was reminded of just how eerie and how I don't know th- that always stuck with me about this movie. Just the the fucking texture of it, like you said dirty grimy like rat infested shithole but also like that also accented the whole vibe of the movie i i, I don't know i love that i love the, the score of this movie it's great so this film came out in august uh august 31st 1984 had a budget of 1.25 and it made 4.7. So it actually made its money. It, it covered the spread, which is, you know, three times the, the budget of the film. So it covered its ass for what it needed to make to become, to be viewed as successful. Right. Um, so it, it wasn't a complete bomb. It was a lower budget film. Uh, I mean, even over a million dollars is still okay for 1984. It still was not huge, but. Uh, I think they did good. Uh, the the city is just just filming in New York City the way they did. Um, it opens you up, and you literally save so much money because the city itself, being so filthy and dirty in the eighties, is is your set right there. You don't even you, your set design is n- n- near nil. Right. Well, it's already there. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I feel like. What? So the only stuff did they shoot in? They didn't shoot in the sewers, did they? I would assume not. I would assume not because there's there's probably endless legal uh, shit. So maybe that was on a soundstage. But if they're they're running on it, this is a New World Pictures uh, film. 
and they're running on a $1.25 million budget. I'm going to guess they didn't really have access to lots. So maybe it was just like an alley that they, they darkened and like, or I'm not sure. This is a, this is a good question. Yeah. Uh, That's a good point. I, I didn't even think of it that way at all. It's like, you recognize like some of the scenes like, yeah, this is definitely in New York city. Like, when, when he's leaving the precinct, like, in the beginning, it's like, yeah, there's no mistaking. When they're down at uh, whatever the fuck subway platform it is, it's like, there's no doubt that this is this was filmed, at least a portion of this, on a subway platform in New York City. But with shit like that, it's like, wow, where did they shoot this, you know? And, and you know what? I, I haven't really dug into the special features on the Arrow Blu-ray of this, which is... It's unfortunate, and there's an alternative cut, and I've watched the alternative cut, and I, off the top of my head, I can't tell you what the exact differences are, uh, but it's called the Integral Cut, um, and it's a two-disc uh, edition that Arrow put out, and I think in 2016 or 17, I think. Um, but yeah, so back to, uh, I guess back to the uh, filming locations. Yes, let's see. Yeah, it was all filmed in New York City. No shit. And New That's Jersey. So and Jer- cool. The soup kitchen was filmed in Jersey City, New Jersey. Okay. Everything else was New York City. Wow. Um and it just it does have like a like an East Coast feel to it. Just the just the the way the film was made. So I would have been I would have been you would have labeled me shocked if I, I found out that this was filmed in fucking Burbank or something. Right. Well and to go back to I don't know that the original point of of this movie, like I mentioned, you know, I saw this it, at first, when I first saw it. It's like, yeah, it was fun and I liked it, but it didn't. The one thing that stuck with me was the the score itself. But I think another thing, maybe why this doesn't necessarily stick with some people, is like, like I noticed it um, again the other night. Like the the movie doesn't necessarily resolve itself at all. Like there's still the, the waste or whatever is it but there's the explosion like the gas explosion or whatever but like it doesn't really resolve anything and it's cool because yes you see the stages like remember the one homeless guy who goes down in there and he's like transformed but he's not full shut he's right. just got the teeth in the eyes or whatever it's cool to see that metamorphosis or, or whatever you however you want to label that transformation but at the end of the movie it's like nothing nothing is resolved at all no, it, it it goes back in. I mean, we did get. Have you seen the sequel, uh, Chud Two, Bud not, the Chud? I have not seen Bud the Chud, and I almost asked you the other night if I should watch it. it like I was, I was like, oh shit, should I text him about this? Because if he asked me about this, I'm gonna be like, ah, fuck, dude, I cannot speak to that movie. I I've heard mixed things about it. Let's just put it that way. I I've heard it compared to like House, or no, I think you compared it to House Two. It's, maybe not. Maybe it was my guitarist. I don't know. My my guitarist was just talking about uh, Ch- uh, Chud Two like maybe a month ago. It's very so. Chud Two is vastly more entertaining, a completely different like spin on events, and it's it's. I think it's awesome. It's actually it, it's it's more or less a zombie comedy. No shit. Um, and it's okay. it, it's a very fun film. It's goofy, but it's fun. Uh, so yeah, so obviously there's something like that's killing, like Bosch's wife gets killed and he's looking for his missing wife, Captain Bosch. 
Uh, and so Bosch and AJ end up going to, you know, there's people that are going missing all over the city. There's, you know, people that are speculating and, and people who claim that they've seen uh, these creatures pull them into the sewer. Uh, so we get, uh, and obviously the Reverend has his, his ear to the ear to the underground because he is the, uh, he is the chimney, the chimney master of the fucking, the soup kitchen underworld. But, uh, also can we get, uh, like a, like a, like a black and white shirt with Daniel Stern's character from this and have it say the, uh, the, the chimney soup kitchen leader of the underworld. Please, please, please. There's no way we we would get that. Uh, there's no way we would deal with any copyright infringement on that. Like that's totally that. That's like a combination of uh, that phrase is made up. We made that up like what now? So oh yeah, dude, that's let's, let's just do it. As long as as long as on the shirt, the the image of, of Daniel Stern, we capture his like right side. Did you notice that really shitty fucking? stick and poke tattoo oh yeah aj and it's got like the fucking like rays (laughs) that and and he i'm pretty sure he is sweating the entire fucking movie like i said everyone's sweating and i love how it's just like when they go and sit down with like the board members there it's like all he does is throw on a button-up shirt yeah (laughs) he's still filthy as fuck like he didn't even wash his face He's just filthy as fuck. He's wearing like anyway. he's wearing like the military cargo pants too. He looks yeah. like he's in fucking. He looks like he's a created character on Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they go to yeah they go to see Wilson who is supposedly the uh, one of the directors at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Yeah, NRC. That's right. That's right. Uh so uh. So there, for some, this is my favorite scene in the movie, uh, when they're just like poking fun at like how like fucking like scummy that AJ looks, and Bo- they think Bosch is just like off his rocker now, uh, and they're there with the mayor and with this uh, this director Wilson of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, uh, and they're they're talking about you know this. You know, people going missing. Uh, yeah, pictures of uh, of you know a guy that fucking met one of these things, got his leg chewed on like a goddamn slim jim off fucking Main Street Market, and and it's just uh, it's just such a like fun little scene. I mean, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, it might be the most exciting scene of the movie. <laughs> I love the fi- I love the film now, but it is it's I don't want to say it's a slow burn, but it's just like a I feel like I don't know. I feel like it's just like a like embers burning the entire time. Like you don't really get a huge fire from the film, but it's still an interesting film all in all. Well, it's, and, and another thing that's cool about it is you do get a lot of the aesthetics. I know you mentioned kind of the, the grittiness or like how filthy shit in the 80s was, but you also get those other token things like there's, you know, police officers with flamethrowers and then there's the scientists or like the engineers that have like, you know, the fucking outbreak style 
uh, like full body hazmat suits with like the fucking the faceplate. Like you get all of these different elements within this movie wrapped up very nicely. You get these really creative looking fucking monsters with in practice, you know, practical effects. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have to agree. Uh, embers where there's never, never once do you see a flame. Um, it's just, it's a slow burn of those embers. I will say that I do speaking of a scene immediately following that blow up, uh, in the, in the boardroom, how about when fucking Daniel Stern leaves and that, that goofus in the red, his tail, basically, the dude that's following him. Yeah, yeah. How he goes up and eats the coin. He, like, ends the call and then eats the change that falls down and just stares at him. And there's that weird, uncomfortable exchange where, like, Daniel Stern's standing there because he's trying to make a phone call. And the other guy literally, he, like, he watched him eat, like, a quarter or something. Yeah. It's just stupid, <laughs> stupid, like, small scenes like that. But that's what makes this so much fun. So, what's your opinion on how the actual chuds look? The cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Uh, which, obviously, in the boardroom scene and everything, when they have the... Um, when they get the classified file that's labeled as chud, and he reveals that it's cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Um, they, uh, you know, what... And when we actually see the chuds towards the end, end of the film and we see like little glimpses of him here and there but what's your opinion you know when they attack um george's girlfriend in the shower and uh you know what's your opinion on the look of the chud oh i do i think they're great I think they're, they're great fun right they're very like almost like reminiscent of like 50 sci-fi looking creatures yeah. well and another thing too that i i think i admire a lot about this movie is yeah, there's a lot of sh- there's like a handful of shots like when you when Daniel Stern stumbles across him the first time and you know how they're all just kind of standing around the nuclear waste and he like fucking trips and they all turn around like they're all just kind of mellowing out there near the the big ass glowing like pool and he alerts them and they all look over at him and he's like Ugh! he gets out of there. I like that you never really see too much of them no right? no it, that, that was probably strategic too well it, 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 it that choice reminds me a lot of like what makes the fog so great right is that like you never you see them but it's at a distance silhouetted up close like you there's not too much screen time and it leaves more to the imagination like that's i think that's why one of one of the reasons why i really like this movie too i love the whole thing with like the neck of you know how like oh yeah how it starts stretching its head out and then yeah yeah no, and then, so so to answer your question I love the design I think it's disgusting it's great and uh, I I feel like this movie they tried to go with less is more but they gave you so much less that it kind of it it hurt the overall excitement of the film sometimes oh definitely like the the shower scene. I was kind of hoping there was going to be a little bit more to that. Not just like, you know, nipples, but like I was hoping there was going to be a little bit more of a reveal. Like how, how the, what was, was one of their fucking fingers up the drain? Like, cause she pokes, she pokes something that spews blood everywhere. Are we to believe that like they stuck an arm up there? Like, do you, you know what I'm saying? Like the plumbing, you're not going to fit a whole fucking shud. In, in 
something that immediately sits under in your bathroom like that, right? No, they 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 leave that into your complete imagination. Right. So I, I mean, it's you you can't make heads or tails of it. So if you think about it more than like three seconds, you fucking just go mad. So so yes, I I don't know. I I wish there was. I do wish there was a little bit more uh, to to it, <laughs> so to speak, but. No, no, it was, I, 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 I like, I, obviously, it's like we're both talking about it right now. Um, definitely could have done with a little bit more, though, to it, you know? So, what I like about this is when AJ and George are, or when AJ and, yeah, AJ and George are down in the, the sewer and they, they discover the toxic waste, which is labeled as contamination hazard urban disposal. So again, C- CHUD. So my question is, and I guess, like I said, there wasn't a lot of answers here. So I guess I kind of, they left me in the dark a little, uh, that I've just kind of always like thought about. And I, I guess I'd never really cared whether or not I got the answer, but now since we're covering this on the podcast, it's time for us to try to seek out the proper answers for this. So does Wilson, who works for the NRC, you know, does he, do they know that this turned these people, he knows that this, this toxic waste has turned these, turned like, you know, bums in the sewer into these things, right? Or is that just, was it called the Chud Project because they knew that they were putting toxic waste to dispose of it in the sewer and they don't want people to know that they're disposing of it in the sewer? Or do they know that this shit turned people into like mutants and they know all about it? See, that's an interesting question because I know that there's, there's a moment where, um, AJ is like spewing out these stats. I know they're doing a, an inquiry right now. Normally it only lasts a month. This one has lasted four months. So like he knew that something was going on because this has happened before. It's a regular whatever a yearly occurrence because remember bosch is like oh yeah uh this happens every year yep i I don't know if you remember that exchange so yep i don't know i don't we never get that (laughs) i don't think i don't think they ever get that far into it so my opinion is i I don't know i think i think they know what they're doing that they just kept it under wraps for so long because you know fucking who gives a shit about homeless people you know that's that's part of what's positive in this movie, I think. But you know what's funny? What is the what is the deal with the toxic waste in New York City in the eighties? Because in movies like Friday the Thirteenth, like oh my god, perfect. I mean, this is Detroit, but you do you remember in um, RoboCop when they hit like a, just like a, a truck, like a flatbed truck filled with toxic waste like canisters. Like why is toxic waste driving around fucking, I mean, it's Detroit, so I mean, you, they still can't drink water in fucking Flint to, in 2020, so I mean, that would make sense more in Detroit, but in the in 80s films, there was just toxic waste like just traveling the streets. Or like in Friday the 13th uh, part 8 Jason takes Manhattan there's just like big things of toxic waste in the alley that he fucking dips the one teacher in 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 Friday the 13th part 8 like what was there just accessible amounts of toxic waste just laying around be like yeah we gotta send the the NRC our NRC like garbage people to go take care of this talk to- these barrels of toxic waste that are you know between fucking Bowery and Bleecker <laughs> well now let me ask you this what was was love canal was that in New York or was that out, was that in California? 
Um, it might have been in New York. I I think it was right. Uh, that's what I always thought. Maybe Jersey or something. Anyway, I don't know why there was such. A, maybe that was just playing on people's fears of just like. Oh, maybe it was. You know, nineteen eighty four. It's. I wouldn't call it the height of the Cold War. I would call like maybe the early sixties you know, late fifties where it's like, hide under the desk. You won't be vaporized. Like that is the peak, you know, the pinnacle of, you know, the cold war, like just terrible relations between the U S and the Soviet Union, blah, 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 blah. I was wondering if by the eighties, it was kind of like, well, we've been doing this nuclear power thing for a while. What the fuck do we do with all this goddamn waste? We still haven't figured it out. It's like, ah, we'll just shove it underground. Who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> I don't know. And the reason I asked about love canal is that would be the only New York City like tie-in that I can even remotely imagine that would make sense at all. Right. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing to ponder, especially with this film. The uh, the director for this, Douglas Cheek, did very very little. He the most credits he has is an as is uh the most credits he has is as an editor, um, and he really doesn't he only directed like a couple things like a little tv series with nothing and like one other film he's got a really limited uh filmography so i mean maybe someone saw this and they're like can we never give this guy any fucking work ever again because what the fuck's going on in this film uh and and i think too another thing that this film uh, i don't know i don't want to say it suffers from but it's one of those things where like it introduces characters and you either never see them again or it doesn't make sense why we're being introduced to them. Like, you remember the, the bitch, the, like the elvish, the, the, like the bitch that lives downstairs. that looks like a fucking elf with like a pixie cut and like, yeah. A yeah. Kid. What you see her once more and then you see the kid again once. Like it doesn't, why do I, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, like, she doesn't have anything to do with this real, you know, realistically the outcome of this movie at all. It's just what another person that experiences it. Right. She walks, she's like out walking a dog or something. And remember she like stumbles across that big cardboard pile. Yeah. And then like there's wrestle, wrestling around and there's blood in a hole. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think there's just characters like the fucking, Oh, what's his name? The journalist with like the shitty haircut. The, like the the weird long hair, but it's not long. Yeah. Uh, what the, I can't I can't remember his name. Anyway, there, there's these small role characters, the supporting cast, that it's like we didn't need them. we didn't need them at all. You know, I I don't know. You can tell I, I didn't know that about the director, but now you having. You having said that, it makes a little bit more sense. We do get a cameo from one uh, Vic Palizos in this uh, of uh, Ace Ventura fame as a Guado. It is him. It is him. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not. It's, uh, it's the dude who looks like a Guado that was in Night of the Creeps who we yeah, thought yeah. was a Guado. When you, te- when you text that to me, you're like... You- You've used Aguado more than anyone in the history of cinema outside of like, the <laughs> film franchise or what or whatever. The cast of Ace Ventura Detective. <laughs> that's so fucking funny. Yes, that's right. So it's got the it's got the the tired, fucking extremely hungry fucking <laughs> coroner from Night of the Creeps. That's right. Yeah. 
Well, we were watching. I was like, "Is that fucking him?" Okay, maybe that's not him. Total weird, weird identical. They're like they must be fucking cousins or something. Is that why you is seeing that? Is that why you went back to the Night of the Creeps episode recently? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. like, I was just I, I was I was hanging out and I was like, "Fuck!" I was like, "I want to listen to some fun." And then I started re-listening. And I was like, "Yeah, that that fucking episode was a blast. That was a lot of fun." So I don't yes. know if I don't know if you've uh, ever listened to it, but if you really want to just because we were like off the rails because we recorded so when we did the Friday the Thirteenth franchise a few years ago, I don't know if you ever made it through that, but it's three hours long. But we started recording that at like eleven o'clock at night, so we didn't finish until like almost two, and you could just tell everyone was like off their rocker because everyone was so tired. But there's like debates. We eat cookies. Bridget's like handing out cookies. Like, there's a lot of swearing. Like, B- BT talks about how attracted he is to people who are crippled. <laughs> okay. All right. Because, like, I definitely I definitely started that one. I don't know as if I made it through all of it, but I will definitely go back and listen. Just be, just what you've explained to me in, in, the, in the three seconds, your your high-level review of the uh of that <laughs> just i need to hear this now that might have been one of the pinnacles of this uh astute podcast but but yeah like like you were saying about this film it kind of like we don't really get a huge resolution like they like aj and george find out that they have the you know the can- contamination uh you know of urban disposal um you know that's the real chud. That's what chud really stands for. But it's turned these people into cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Uh, they're trying to. He calls Bosch. He's trying to get. They're trying to get out of the sewer. They get out of the sewer. Uh, Bosch and, and Wilson get into it. Uh, and and Wilson ends up killing uh, Bosch and AJ and and George. Uh, you know, eventually do get out of the. Uh, the underground, the sewer. Uh, and then it's just kind of, you know, they're flooding it with gas. They're trying to gas it out. Um, it's just kind of like a wild all over the place, like last 25 minutes. Oh, once it hits that point, because there's so many things happening all at once. And because at this point, the city's in chaos because of the fucking massacre, the John Goodman borderline sexual harassment of the waitress the bums outside of that burger joint like the city's kind of in chaos at this point uh she's being attacked at her apartment they're underground like i I don't know i i think that that's the payoff and obviously it, it was seemingly written to be that way that's the that's the payoff of the movie that last 25 minutes because it doesn't really let up even though it doesn't solve anything, like I said, <laughs> I don't know. I, I love, I love the 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 last whatever the fucking uh, apex of this movie is. I, I think it's great. Yeah, and uh, you know the ending scene where we get uh, John Goodman and uh, another guy playing cops coming to the coming to the diner, ordering up a burger, and then we see uh, Chuds invade the diner, and that scene. That's the that's 1984's Chud. Fucking fantastic! It's a, it was, it's, it is, it's, it's a unique film. Uh, so if someone wanted me to give my, I mean, I'm not gonna be like it's fucking ten out of ten. It's in my top ten. Like, oh no, the film's not even in my top probably one hundred. But it is something I think, uh, 
that definitely merits a watch and is is interesting to to watch and to ponder. And if nothing else, see a young Daniel Stern, a younger John Hurd, and uh, you know some uh, some interesting stuff and some some cool f- practical effects, uh, if nothing else. Well, and and I think what you had mentioned too, like you know, you explained that this is all shot in New York City. Like, there's interesting little tidbits about this movie that make it now after the fact um, make it that much more impressive. Like I wouldn't have, kn- I wouldn't have known that. I-, I could have looked it up, but it's like I wouldn't have known that about the movie. I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting that the, you know, the guy who composed all the music, you know, was part of a, a synth pop band from like the early '80s, a-, a-, a successful synth pop band, no less. Like, right? I-, I don't know. It's just small little little tidbits like that where it's like, it just makes you kind of take a little second glance. And I, and I agree. I this isn't this isn't up there on a, on a list. It's not going to be something that I'm going to go out of my way to recommend to people. However, um, I, it's definitely worth watching if you haven't watched it. And it's, it's fun. I, I don't know. And I, and I will have to check out uh, Chud too now on the Chud. I will have to check that out. Cause I'm, I was interested. I, I was a little on the fence at first when I heard how it was kind of explained, but now that you're telling me it's, uh, it's fun, you know, I'll definitely go and check that out. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to cover that one once you see that one. I feel like that'll be uh, fun to revisit and the uh, the Chud uh, universe after that. And uh, yeah, this is uh, first episode of October to celebrate this uh, this glorious uh, month of fall. And uh, yeah, you can uh, you can find us uh, on Spotify and iTunes uh, at Heartguy Media, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Heartguy Media. Lou, what do you got? Uh, what do you got coming up the 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 pike uh i know um i know you said that uh you are uh working on more episodes for the 50 minutes of fame burger creek productions podcast which has been awesome uh to hear all these little 15 minute interviews with uh musicians of all sorts and, and you just had uh you just had some some pretty impressive guests on here uh, you just had a uh, a member of Reagan Youth on that podcast. Yeah, man, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, Paul is an intense individual, um, and it was really. I, at the end of the day, it's like I, I find I, I love talking to musicians about music and kind of about themselves a little bit. I, I find it to be fascinating. So, so to answer your question, what is what's kind of coming down the line here? I'm going to continue to do this. Um, I've, I'm now nearing almost 30 of these, uh, either scheduled or recorded. And I'm doing three, uh, three episodes at a time uh, every week. On Tuesday, I try to push them up. And then by Wednesday, everything that's when I go through and actually kind of promote them. So as far as guests coming up, um, and by the time this airs, trying to think of where I'll be where I will be at um I've sat down with uh a really talented solo artist his name's Pavit Berman um he's from Rhode Island and he does really really cool uh you could you could probably categorize it as like Ramones core type stuff but he's so he does like the solo stuff and then the flip side uh Planet Mercury I sat down with their lead singer Jerry uh, they're from Massachusetts pop punk um and then actually, I'm in, in the process of scheduling an interview with um, 
so it's Steve Ignorant from Crass. It's his uh, piano player and vocalist. Um, I'm going to be talking with her, and I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so it's it's cool, man. I, you know, it's just it, it's scheduling these as they they come along, and um, and it keeps me, you know, keeps my uh, if you want to call them like I went to school initially for journalism. I'm not I'm obviously not doing that right now, but this is a way to kind of scratch that uh, that you know that that really terrible rash or itch, if you will, you know kind of get back into that whole realm of things so i think it's a great format i love the the shorter you know under 20 minutes you usually fit you know 15 to 18 minute episodes uh including with a song and uh i i found a couple bands that i'm actually been enjoying and digging so you're doing uh you're doing god's work my friend thanks man i appreciate it well that has been uh chud with uh mr lou smith you can check his uh podcast out as well he has Two different ones, uh, Capital City Smiths, and he also has Burger Creek Productions' 15 Minutes of Fame, which you can find on, uh, I believe, iTunes and Spotify, correct, Lou? Yeah, yep, Spotify and I think Apple Podcasts is technically under, but yes, Apple. Awesome. Uh, All right, everyone, enjoy this episode of Chud. This was a lot of fun, and uh, we're here to kick off October, so here you have it, Chud, first episode of October. Enjoy. Enjoy.